0: You're listening to the Voices in Education podcast, powered by Securely, where we hear from new voices and explore new ideas about how we can reimagine education to support whole student success. Education is at an inflection point. As we grapple with complex challenges like funding and enrollment, as well as diversity, equity, and safety, we also have an opportunity, an opportunity to reimagine education, Now more than ever, we know the importance that students' overall well-being plays in their success. They need to feel supported and safe and connected to be able to engage in their learning and achieve to their full potential. Join your host, Casey Agena, a former teacher turned instructional coach and technologist as he interviews inspirational educators, school leaders, wellness professionals, and more to amplify their voices. You'll learn about the innovative work they're doing to support students' safety, engagement, and overall wellness. And who knows, you may even spark a new idea of your own. Ready to reimagine education? Let's go.
1: Welcome to the Voices in Education podcast, powered by Securely, and I'm your host, Casey again. And in today's episode, I'll be talking with Johnny Ganau, who hails from South Seattle and his role transitioning from outdoor education expert to administrator in the Highline School District here in South Seattle. Listen in as Johnny and I talk about his role and the work that he has in making sure that students are connected and definitely over the past two years, get reconnected to schools, to the adults that are here to support them, and the challenges that he faces in making sure that students do feel supported.
2: Thanks for having me, Casey. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, and we've had some really good conversation leading up to this, and I think this just really helps us to just dive right in because... uh, just to hear about you and your work. And, you know, what are what are these challenges, uh, particularly around social emotional learning, student mm-hmm. mental health? And these issues, as we talked about earlier, are at the forefront of everyone. And particularly over the past 24 months, the past two school years, mm-hmm. even here where we both live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. And so with that, how has it impacted your work and what's the impact on students and their families?
2: Yeah, as you said, I worked for Highline School District. Uh, This is going on 13 years almost. And the very first thing impacted my work was my job. For over a decade, I worked at Camp Waskowitz up in North Bend that's owned and operated by Highline. And we ran week-long camp adventures for kids, connecting them to nature and people. Social emotional learning was at the forefront of the work that we did there when the pandemic hit, that all had to stop. And so the camp set empty, kids weren't able to come and we were doing virtual things. We're doing our part like everyone else, but my energy and focus, I wanted to get back with kids. And so I I up and changed jobs largely because of the pandemic, because I was like, I knew that camp wasn't gonna be able to be where it's at and it's still not. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I, I transitioned into a role of Dean of Students At Cascade Middle School, go Cougars, Um, and I'm able to take the things that I've done at Waskowitz and and incorporate some of the social-emotional learning components with the students I'm working with. Honestly, as I was telling you before, seeing students in their element at a comprehensive school compared to the camp setting, at first was like, this is completely different. But what I'm hearing from a lot of kids, families, and teachers is there's far more Hesitation to be involved, lack of respect in a way sometimes for hmm. students when they're with they're with each other and with teachers than there ever was. And that's possibly because of the past 24 months. The individualized plans for students is more important now than ever. I feel like just connecting with the kid and not having just one way of doing things, but making it more getting to know the student and their needs and how, how to support them and then partnering with the families is another big thing that i've noticed parents are tired (laughs) and when you connect with them and and tell them an issue that's going on with their kid they already know they've spent the past 24 months very close with their children so in making sure to loop the parents into the concerns with the kids but then also making sure the parents know the good things that are happening with the kids too right getting a lot of that like you've called me a lot that my kid is skipping class what are they doing that's good and so Seeking out that opportunity for the kids to, if you're not seeing it at the forefront, is um, also really, I think, been a shift, at least for me, compared to my old position. Well, I'm thinking about that question, and you know
1: what's impacting our students and their families. I'm thinking about us as adults who are in the lives of students, and parents who are adults in the lives of students, and if if they're feeling stressed about home life, their work situation, whatever it may be. So when the students go home, it's, they're getting that. When the students go to a, now we're seeing some sports and activities uh, in our community. And if the coaches are stressed or whatnot, they're getting that from the adults. The next morning, they're coming back to school and the teachers, as you mentioned, are stressed. And the admin, there's a lot going on and they're feeling that from the adults. That's a lot. to I mean, a lot. Every situation a lot. they're going into where they look for those
2: adults, for those relationships, uh, the adults themselves are challenged too. Right. And you think, I mean, that would be a challenge, like, as you said, for an adult, imagine if you're a 10, 11, 12 year old, like navigating that, like, there are so many stresses on them beyond just math and science to be able to be successful at school. And I think that often, that stress will then come out in their behaviors, Mm -hmm. making poor choices and teachers don't have capacity to be able to support them. And as an administrator at the school, we don't have capacity to deal with every single student that has those needs. And that's where I say like partnering with the parents has been key. I have felt, at least at, at our school, like when you reach out to those parents and you make those relationships, like I have several parents that will actually call me I had one today called me on the way to school because their son was having a bad day. My kid's having a bad day. I want to make you aware of it because we've had challenges with this kid over the past couple of months. Right. And so getting off the phone call with that parent, I realized in that moment, like I'm seen as more than just the person that's at school greeting them and being there for them. Like I'm a partner to this parent and this parent wants to make sure I'm aware that their kid's having a bad day before they step through the school doors so that I'm already ready to, to take on that that moment, right? And that's that's really what I think we need more of in schools. I know I know that sounds crazy because who has time to talk to every single parent regularly? Right. But there are those students that are, you know, are high flyers, as we'll call them, that really need mm-hmm. that extra support. And the moment that you can partner with those families and and know that student really well, that's when you see them succeed.
1: And compounded on all of this, you know, for those of you all the way out on the, on the East coast. And, you know, you know where, you know where we are in the map, but being this kind of unique urban suburban environment uh, mm-hmm. where Highline school district is, and we're talking about parents, there's a real kind of interesting mix from a diversity standpoint, a cultural diversity standpoint Absolutely. that plays into that role as well. Tell, tell us a little bit about, what what is that makeup uh like in Highline school district of,
2: of the students and their families? yeah Highline School District is extremely diverse district. I think there's eighty something languages spoken mm-hmm. um, the families come there's many immigrant families, but there's also a lot of families who have lived here their entire life um their whole they, their parents went to Cascade or their parents were highline school district and so you have this really interesting combination of folks that care a lot about the community because it's it's that's all they know and then you have these people who have come to this community to do better many like our school for instance speaks Vietnamese Spanish and English so classes are taught in all those languages Hmm. and so that that is our primary you know demographic of students at our school that's very symbolic of Highline as a district you know Mm -hmm. having many different schools that are dual trilingual again that's another way to let kids feel like they're safe and comfortable when they're in those spaces it's also a way for parents to have To know they can go and talk to someone at that school and get their questions answered, hear their concerns. Highline being such a a melting pot of all these different folks, it's very unique in that way, I would say. Very unique. I think that environment that we're
1: touching upon, it's challenging for you, I think, of just knowing the environments that the kids are going home to, because you know yeah. like you said you have this, you know, <laughs> what is the family dynamic of Vietnamese families or Somali families or, mm-hmm. you know, these mix of families that you have, whereas school is their common environment that they're working with yet. Right. They're spending time at home and
2: that you're partnering with these different. Right. You know, that, right. Uh, Honestly, Casey, I try to, I try to look at every family as like their own unique true, right? Like I I try not to look at it in the bubble of like, well, this is a Vietnamese family, so it's going to think this way. And this is a Somali family. They must, they must think this way. Mm-hmm. I've learned that they could be the same cultural background, but they have different factors playing into their life, whether they are immigrant family, whether they, again, have lived in the area their entire life. And so when I have these conversations with families, I try to put that to the side and focus on the student and the student's needs, really, and what, what it is that Um, is happening at school. From that, you build the relationship with the families where you then learn a little bit more. And you get those pieces of like, you get introduced into their family life and their culture and things just by having conversations with the parents. And then that gets to get transferred over to the school. So when a teacher is like, this kid is coming to my class every morning, hungry and angry, it's, well, I've talked to the families and the parents work graveyard shifts and they're not able to be home when the kid has to leave for school. Mm-hmm. So the kid wakes himself up. The kid walks to school, sometimes in the rain, right? And the freezing temperatures gets to school. Yeah, they're going to be hungry and angry because I would be. So let's have a plan for that kid. Let's get them breakfast. Even if they come late, let's make sure that they get a check-in with an adult because they woke up in the morning, got themselves ready. And if they walk in 10, 15 minutes late, I'm glad you got yourself here. Right. And so, I look at the families more as individuals because I also I, I grew up in the same neighborhood that I'm I'm working in now mm-hmm. being identified as a white male like I have privileges because of my skin but I didn't grow up with those privileges as far as socioeconomic status goes and so I know I know how families are working and I know that the kids have needs that it's our responsibility to meet those and I find that those students that you then create those uh, relationships with and you establish that individualized plan, like I was saying, they're far more successful during the day. If that kid sneaks by and gets into their class and I haven't been able to check in with them yet, the teacher will message me right away, need support for the student, you know, and it's it's a quick jolt and it's like, I haven't checked in with you. Let me get you breakfast. I know what you need. Mm -hmm. Um, while While Highline is a very diverse district, There's no one single type of family, right? Yeah. It's all over the place.
1: Let's take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor.
0: The Voices in Education podcast is brought to you by Securely. Pioneering the student safety movement in 2013, Securely continues to lead the charge in innovative education technology. As the only whole student success platform for K through 12 education, Securely helps schools ensure student safety, increase student and family engagement, proactively support student wellness, and optimize student device and technology initiatives. More than 15,000 schools worldwide choose Securely to help them keep students safe, engaged, and well. To learn how Securely can support your school, visit www.securely, that's S-E-C-U-R-L-Y.com.
1: And now, back to the interview. In your previous role working at the camp and the experience that you were providing for not only the students, but then, you know, working with the adults there because there's a lot of, yeah. how has that, helped in terms of transcending yourself into your current position? Because I mean, I'm, I'm hearing a little bit about it in terms of with, you know, it's not camp counselors, but it's teachers and it's not the
2: campers, yeah. but it's students and this but the yeah. families are still there. i, I I'm, there's. So the unique, the uniqueness of Waskowitz, to be honest, I had no family communication. It was the kids would come for a week. High school kids were their leaders. The teachers would be there to teach the classes. And we had a staff that would be there and support, you know, regularly. Only we would communicate with families if a kid had to be sent home. And often we'd partner with the schools for that. And so the family communication piece is honestly a whole new world for me. Um, (laughs) And what a time to get this new world, right? When like families are like, I don't know what my kid needs. Like they've been in their room for 24 months. Uh, They don't talk to me. And so what I've been able to do is take all like the things that we do at Waskowitz in that four or five days when they're there. Is break down barriers regardless of your socioeconomic status, regardless of what you look like, where you come from, what accent you might or might not have. It's all about we are on the same page. We are all on the same page. We are there together for the week. They eat the same meal. They go to sleep at the same time. They wake up at the same time. They're on a schedule. That mindset is what's really allowed me to say, I need to create that same kind of uh, feeling with my students, with my teachers that I'm working with, with their families of just like being on that even ground. Like we're all we're all in this together. We're all when a student or family has conflict or even a teacher for that matter. It's like I listen to them first. Tell me what's going on to build that understanding that I'm here for you and I want to hear your concerns. And then I'll go into the details of like, well, here's some things I want to talk about. And so I think in comparing to what I've what I've taken from Waskowitz and that component is just going into those situations, being able to say, this is a human, we're all on the same level. It's a person just like me. They might be mad. How do I get them to stay to get calm? Mm-hmm. Uh, they might be crying. How do I figure out what's going on? Using my role as a dean to connect in that way, as opposed to being the authoritarian disciplinarian, like <laughs> most people know deans to be, and being more of that like This is my guy. This guy supports me. And I want that for my students, my teachers, and the parents I work with.
1: Has the student digital component uh, (laughs) played a role in whether it's uh, behavior incidents or uh, just how they connect positively and creating communities or whatnot? Yeah. Especially in middle school. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think so. All of this was a whole new world for me being an outdoor educator for so long. Like we, mm-hmm. we, we literally disconnected kids. That was part of our like thing, like electronics get put away. We're going to be in the woods for a week, you know, no TVs. Um, and so when this whole world hit on a personal level, I'll just say it was like I had to learn everything, Zoom, all this, you know, mm-hmm. and got to that speed students are so technologically advanced at this moment where they're able to do so much. And the things they talk about, I'm like, what is that? Can you show me that? I think on one side of things, because students have so many things that they're um, access to, all of our students have, you know, Chromebooks. Many of them have cell phones. There's so many platforms of like social media and like Outside of school day, when I was in school, I barely saw the friends or talked to them You know, after the school bell rang. It was like, go home, see them the next day. Now these kids come to school the next day with all of these pictures and screenshots and things that someone said last night. And it's, it's a whole new world in that regard. And I think mm-hmm. really the past 24 months has elevated that because that was their only way to communicate with people. It was normal. It was the way that it was. So that's one piece of it. The other thing is really taking that technology and like, how do we implement it into the classroom so that it's it's a tool that they're using, uh, not just for the gossip after school, right? Right. But giving them giving them games and different things that they can play with in their classes uh, to use technology the right way.
1: So, thinking back, I guess over the past year, what have you learned? Yeah. <laughs> that is really going to empower you kind of moving forward, particularly focusing on that relationship side of things, like the yeah. parents, the, the the teachers you work with, the students. What have you learned this past year that's, that you can look ahead to say, okay, here's,
2: here's what's going to pivot to even make things better? I've actually thought about this a lot because, as I mean, I was a younger educator when I got into the game. Right. And I think for so many years – I would say even to the past year or two, I have found that connection with that student or that family, and I can be the only one. It has to be me. It has to be me that helps this kid because I have the connection. And what I've really learned this past year, especially in my current position, is helping those students and those families see that it's a community effort, not having to just be that one go-to person because you connected on this video game or this movie that came out or that you just, you like their vibe, right? But like, everyone is here for you. I think as I've developed in my role, it's really making sure that like, great, I have this connection with this kid. How can I now partner them up with other students Mm -hmm. or other staff members? And if that means I'm doing the leg work to be like, hey, this person also likes Roblox. Do you like Roblox? Oh, cool, be (laughs) friends. You know, and like creating that, because again, being masked up and not talking, and, you know, transition's a very quick period. They're not stopping to talk to friends unless you know, they know them. And so it, it, that's part of my role too, is like finding ways for kids to connect with other people and connecting with their um, other adults too. You know, I want to highlight a couple of
1: things that, that you shared that really resonate with me. I, You know, that are word of relationships. And I, I, I think that it's multifaceted in terms of the students uh, and the different adults, right? The parents and the teachers and how much the students... Hesitantly, but may, they want <laughs> it, right? Yeah. And the parents are relying on that. Uh, and then the teachers need it, uh, particularly yep. now. For everybody in that Cascade Go Cougars community, uh, <laughs> I, th- I think that is something that that's the big takeaway f- for me. So, Johnny, I, w- I want to thank you for your time uh, lending your voice to Voices in Education and all of you out there, Uh, you know, we're taking to, uh, to different places, sharing different people with you that you may not necessarily connect with. Thank you all for joining another episode of Voices in Education. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Casey.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Voices in Education podcast powered by Securely where we hear from new voices and explore new ideas about how we can reimagine education to support whole student success. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with others who would benefit from listening. Even a small act of support helps us reach more people and make a bigger impact. For the resources from today's episode and additional details about the podcast, please visit www.securely.com forward slash podcast. And until next time, thanks for listening.